we are going to, and, and if you, we, we might have, there's time left at the end for a little Q&A. We will take that if possible. But tonight I wanted to just go over some things. Um, some of them are things that I do in my prayer life, but uh, obviously they're just things that I do. Um, just good, better, best. Maybe there's some areas of your life that would encourage you or give you ideas or how to go about it. And so I want a little exhortation, inspiration, application, all of that in the few minutes we have left. Um, here's a, here's a, I'm going to start with a quote that will blow your mind. Not really. Um, I read this so many times. Um, we learn best to pray by praying. And, I, and I'm going to give you some ideas and different things. And you could read all of these great books and all kinds of podcasts you could listen to. But I'm going to tell you this. You will not be what God wants you to be in your prayer life until you just discipline yourself to actually do it. One of the best teachers that you could ever do have in your, in your life for as far as prayer goes is actually getting on your knees or however you pray and do it. Everyone prays, uh, but not everyone prays, if you know what I mean. And so tonight I want to give you... A, some ideas about how you could go about or look at your prayer life and maybe in your own life. So we're going to take these one category at a time. And uh, you can put the first one up there. Principles. We're going to look at principles. We're going to get there in just a second. I want to give you a little introductory remarks first. Um, I would call your prayer life is one of your spiritual differences. I, I like to call it a holy habit. And I, I want to say that to you because I want to help you to see that it's not just a mystical type of thing. Prayer is not. It really is a discipline. It really is something you plan to do. I think people think that the most spiritual things you do come on a whim or they just pop into your mind or you do them spontaneously and that makes it godly. And I would tell you the opposite is true. Um, Not that those things can't be true, but by and large in your life, if you wait around for it to pop in your mind, get the time, find it to spontaneous provoke you to do it, you won't be praying very much. Um, so I encourage you right off the bat, foundationally, that you look at prayer as a discipline that you do. It doesn't mean you ignore or negate the Holy Spirit. at any. But let me tell you this, we have to be intentional about our prayers. Um, and I would go so far as to say this, my experience in talking to people and have had it happen to myself as well is that prayer, if we're not careful, becomes a response, meaning things happen in my life and then I respond by praying. And I would tell you that that's not how God wants you to do it. Not that you can't respond and pray. Of course, we all do that. But as a lifestyle or a practice or the main thing that you do, that's not what it's intended to be. I would tell you not a response, but a reflex, Prayer should be a reflex, meaning that I do it all the time and it's natural for me and to not do it would be the abnormality or just having response in prayer to something I can't control would not be typical or the main way that describes my prayer life. It would be a reflex. In other words, I just do it because it's part of my life and relationship with God. So let me get to the principles. I have, they're very similar, two of them. They kind of overlap, but I'm going to say them differently Here's the first one that I would encourage you to go by if you don't already. Um, I believe that what God has to say to me is more important than what I have to say to him. 
So let me tell you how that works. I would tell you this simply. Read your Bible first and pray second. That's how I have started my day for decades probably. Um, So I, I would tell you this. Read the Bible first. God's words to you are of greater importance than your words to him. Not because yours don't matter or they're not important. Remember, it's a comparative. It's greater, right? So I would tell you this. Read your Bible first and then pray. Why? Or what, what does that do for me? Or what does that help my prayer life? Let me give you the second principle because it's going to explain a little bit more. I wrote down, I believe that his words to me transform and inform my words to him. Okay, let me say it again to you. Why do I do it that way? Because when I read the Bible first and I pray second, when I read it first, his words to me transform and inform my words to him. Does that make sense to you? In other words, when I read the Bible, this is going to tell me what God's will is, what he's doing in this world, what his kingdom is about, who he is, how he goes about things, what his ways are, how he thinks on issues. So this informs this. And it transforms this. Um, it, It changes my heart, my attitude, and everything about my prayer life. This is essential to this. And I would tell you this, if you don't have this, you won't have this. I have honestly, and I've asked a lot of people over my ministry life, um, I've never found anyone who was not serious about this who was serious about this. Now, I've had people tell me, I don't read my Bible a lot, but I pray a lot. But then I ask them, well, what does pray a lot mean? I pray a lot when I get in trouble, or I pray a lot when I really need something, but that's not what... I want it, you, you should want it to be, right? So let me tell you this, the neglect of this is almost certainly the neglect of this, without a doubt, okay? The vice versa has, I haven't seen that to be true, although I don't think it's good, but I do think they go together, and this should inform what you're doing. So in order to encourage you, spotlight, little commercial, I'm gonna give away five books tonight for absolutely free, um, and it is by Don Whitney, who wrote a book on spiritual disciplines. Not this one, another one. You should get it. It's excellent. I, I would consider it a classic, although he probably wrote it maybe 30, 25, 30 years ago. But it's excellent. You should get it. This one is called Praying the Bible. And that would be in a book form teaching you what I just said in two minutes. Uh, how do you use the Bible and what God's Word says to form and transform the words you say back to him. Uh, We don't have time tonight, maybe for another day. But if you read and study all the prayers of people in the Bible, especially the ones that have any length in in Scripture, you'll find that there is a way that you use the Bible to argue, and I say that in a good way, with God and to approach him and how you talk to him about things um, in this world and how you have needs. Um, this is a book using primarily the Psalms, but other things as well that will help you to discover that and how to use it. Obviously not a tool to manipulate, but a tool to help conform your mind and thinking to God so that when you pray, uh, he will listen. So five of these. Number one is for the person who can tell me first, raise your hand, give me a verse in the Bible that has the actual word pray or prayer in it. Yes, Pray without ceasing. Ready? 
No, you're good. Second one, a hymn in the hymn book that has the word pray or prayer in it. You're eliminated, Joan. Yes. Sweet hour prayer. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Do you see her face? She's going, oh, that was awesome. She was already starting to pray when I threw that, right? (laughs) All right. Let's see. Three. Name someone in the Bible who prayed three times a day. Oh, got to have a hand up. Yes. Right back. Back row, Miss Creeb. Daniel, did you say your name? Oh, okay. You made me walk all the way back here on purpose. I know. There you go. All right, two more, two chances. I'm looking over here. I am. Okay, number four. Finish this phrase in the Bible. In everything by prayer and... What? Yes, all right. Class, the hand has to go up. Armando, would you get... No, it's okay. Good job, Deb. Last one. Let's see, this side's been spiritual. That side's been spiritual. We need a couple over here. Last one, number five. What chapter in what book is described as Jesus' high priestly prayer? Yes, Anne or Hannah was up. That was good. You don't have this book yet, do you? You got it? Uh, all right, excellent. Those are prayer principles. Read the Bible first. Let it inform and transform your prayer life. All right. Number two, prayer posture. Somebody tell me or name, raise your hand. What is one of the prayer postures in the Bible? Yes, Tim? Yes, hands outstretched like this. Tim, what would you think, what do you think that means? Not, to, not today what it means, but what did it mean in the Bible? Right, yeah, just worship, right? Yep, excellent. So that, that's one, like this. So if you see someone doing that in church, that would be actually biblical. What is another prayer posture? Yes. Face to the ground. Why, Sandy, would anyone get that flat down on the ground? Okay, you'd be humble. You'd realize your own unworthiness. What else, why else would you do it? Why did Jesus do it in the Garden of Gethsemane? Sorry? Yes, pleading. It was a really, really, really difficult circumstance. And then I would tell you, when we, re- we talk about all these postures, they're not just for every, anything and everything, that they are ones that you use for appropriate occasions. Um, what's another prayer posture in the Bible? Who said that? Barb? No. Yeah, down on your knees. Did you say that? Down on your knees. Excellent. That is a common one. But there is one more common that I would say, as you read the Bible, would be the most generic or general way that people in the Bible prayed, as far as posture goes. Chris? 
No, that would be, yeah, that would be different. Yeah, with your head covered, that wouldn't be something we would do today. But yes, yes, Chris? Yes, standing would be the number one uh, way to prayer. Probably the one that, at least from my reading, has been more articulated than any other. Um, I don't know, I'm going to do this. If you, you don't have to participate. If you don't have to. How many would say that standing is the number one way you pray? Yeah? Okay. So that's the difference, isn't it? There's a difference there. But all of them are really, really good. I would encourage you to use them all at their appropriate time. And uh, it's an interesting story. In fact, um, sometime with someone you're really good friends with that you could open up to, it, it would be interested if you shared with them the ways they've used the posture and prayer and what brought it on, if they would be willing to share that with you. I mean, I'm just listening to you talk and it's making me think about my life when I've done each one of those. And it, it is, some of them are very unique in their way that they go. But I would encourage you to do all of those uh, prayer postures at the appropriate times. Place. I would encourage you, now there's all kinds of places in the Bible, and certainly we're not going to you know, survey all of those. Um, I would encourage you to pray in the same place every day. Um, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an admonition. Ready? Um, I would strongly encourage you not to pray while you're doing anything else. Not that you can never do that, because I do, but not as your main thing. And let me give you examples. Like I would say it, I, there are times when I go on a prayer walk, but that's not my normal prayer time. Um, I could be out sitting on the beach at the ocean by myself, and it's beautiful, and I, I would pray. Um, um, I know people in recent day, year, months I've talked to pray while they're running or walking on the treadmill. Um, please don't pray while you're driving a car. Um, that'd be bad. Uh, although I know that you can sometimes, if you're, I mean, and if you're not in the driver's seat, of course. <laughs> um, but, but here's why. Um, I, I would hope that we would want to communicate to God that he's not someone I fit in while I'm doing something else at the same time. I don't, let me tell you this. Let me just give you an example. Imagine if one of the main times I had a talk, or the main, the main times I talked with my wife was why I was on the treadmill. Hey, honey, can you stand there? I'm going to be on the treadmill. Let's have a conversation. No one does that. Right? I, don't have ma- I don't say, hey, we're going to have our main conversations while I'm driving and we're talking. Now, can we? We can have talks, but I wouldn't want to develop my relationship with my wife when we're driving. Um, let me go a step further. I think God deserves for who he is that you would get alone and be with him. And that's why I would tell you the metaphor or the, the uh, language the Bible uses is your prayer closet. Because you should get alone, be alone with God, and give him undivided time and attention. Not while you're doing your groceries or not while, not, not, not that you can never do those things. But the main thing you ought to have with God is to be in the same place by yourself with God so that you can have a personal relationship with him while you do it. I would strongly encourage you to make that your mainstay by far. So um, 
prayer place. The next one, I think, if I have it correct, yes, prayer priority. Um, Praying as a priority. Ask yourself, don't answer out loud, but ask yourself this question. What would I not, what would have to happen for me not to pray? Um, You need to make convictions about what will stop you or what would hinder you from not praying. And I'm going to tell you up front without telling you what they are. The list should be very short. Um, I could think of emergencies of people's health, well-being, life, um, helping someone who's in an emergency of that same nature. Um, Obviously, if you're sick yourself or worse. Um, So there are a list of them, but I would tell you they'd be short. Um, I would not let your vacation stop you. I, and you have to decide these for yourself. And I would not let the fact that I'm tired stop me. Um, so, and then, I, I, this is a separate issue, but I would also tell you in your family, you need to decide what you won't, and what would stop you from coming to church, what would stop you from reading your Bible. And, and um, one of the best things Chris and I ever did when we, before we got married was we sat down long period of time and we decided what we we're going to be and do and how we're going to live on major areas of our life before we ever got married. About how we're going to discipline our kids and how we're going to treat them, what our priorities are, what we're going to do and we're not going to do. And what we're going to, we, we decided a lot of that stuff, as much as someone in their 19 and 22 could possibly have the wisdom to do. And, uh, and we try to live that out. Let me tell you this, you have to decide. It's a priority, right? That's the, that's the category. A priority. What is a priority? Think in your life, how do you treat things that are priority? I always say to my children, everything you do communicates to God. Everything. So if I only come to church or only pray when I feel like it and I really feel good and I'm not tired and everything's going great, and I'm not too busy doing something else, if that's it, then it really isn't a priority. I have watched people whose priority is listening to music constantly, playing sports, making money, being popular, buying clothes, going to the mall. I've watched people what their priorities are. And my exhortation or my proposition to you is God deserves that priority and much, much more. But you have to be convicted about it. You have to believe in it. Um, so I would say praying as a priority, and let me just flip that coin and say it backwards. There's also the priorities of prayer. One of the great things about D.A. Carson's book is that not only does he go into depth about Paul's prayers, but he talks about the priorities of them. I'm not singling anyone out at Faith Baptist Church when I say this, but I would tell you that we need to work on, as people, that not the main thing and the number one thing we should not be praying about is people's health. Now take that the right way. I'm not saying by any stretch we should not pray for people's health. So if I get sick tomorrow, please pray for me. Right? We need to do that. I challenge you to read the Bible, Old and New Testament, and read the prayers 
short ones, long ones, and see how many of them are about people's physical health and well-being, you're going to find it is slim pickings. Uh, Again, not because it doesn't matter, not because it's not important. We should pray for them. It is not the number one priority. Um, It is not. Um, Let me give you an example. When you pray for people's well-being and health, you ought to be praying for them, not only that God, if it is his will, would heal them, but that they wouldn't miss any of the lessons that they would, God would want them to learn while they're sick. That they're sick. Remember, remember what Jesus said at the very outset of John 11, before they ever got to Lazarus' tomb. He turns to the disciples. He says, this sickness is not unto death, not for death. It is for the glory of God. Lazarus, if your well-being physically was the best and most important thing to God, he wouldn't have let Lazarus die. There's purposes in our pain. And that's why I love what the Puritans says when they talked about sickness, they called it a pleasing pain. Because it is pleasing because even though it's painful and it's difficult, it pushes us and transforms us and molds us. And we need to start thinking about what were the priorities of Jesus and the disciples and the apostles and the great men and women of Scripture in the Bible, Old and New Testament, when they prayed what mattered most to them. Read Paul and see if there's ever any specific prayers about things. There are some, but I encourage you, go read the Bible and see what mattered most to people who prayed the most, and you might be surprised. Priority. We really need to have the priority that God would have in, in our prayers. Next one. Prayer patterns. Um, I would encourage you to have rhythms. Can I put it that way to you? Prayer rhythms. I'm going to tell you what I do, and it doesn't make it good or best or right. It's just what I do. And I've said it before, so for some it won't be new. I use prayer circles. And so my first time of prayer in the morning after I read the Bible is I pray for the smallest circle in my life and those who are closest to me. And so I'm going to pray for my life, I'm going to pray for my wife. I'm going to pray for my three boys and Sam and Lance and Will. And I pray for my three girls, which I have Mackenzie, Erica, and I call Sandia and Haiti, my girl. Um, so I pray for them. And I pray for them and I pray for very close people. I pray for the guys that I work with here at church. And I pray for those very, very close things. The next circle I pray at a different time is people in this church. And so I'll pray for all the needs of people in this church. And I do some talk about their health. I, I've prayed for Orvin today and, and I pray for other people who have chronic illnesses and problems and I pray differently than just healing. Um, but I pray for people's needs, lost people in our church, people coming to our church, people who need to grow in the things they need to learn. I, I try to know their lives well enough that I could have a substantial comment to make about them to the Lord. And then lastly, I pray beyond these walls and I pray for Hamilton. I pray for New Jersey and I pray for our country and I pray for our world and not always all of them, but rhythmically some of them. 
And I don't want to tell you and think that I cover all of those things every single day, but I pray in those circles. I pray the same things a lot. Um, and I have a personal creed that I've written for myself that I think is the crux of Christian life for me. I most glorify God the Father when I most exemplify God the Son, and I most exemplify God the Son when by God the Spirit I most crucify self. For me, that's the creed I live by, and I try to read it, pray it, almost, if not every day. And I want it to sink in my life and to really learn it. Um, and so patterns of your life, you try, I try to get up. Um, I, pr- I try to pray standing and on my knees both every day. I try to have Nehemiah. Remember when he needed help like that? And I call it the arrow prayer. God, give me favor in this man. I mean, how many words is that? Right? He prayed it and God answered it right there. He was going into the building, right? You know? And so I, I, th- I want to have the times where I'm serious about prayer and it takes a long, quite a while to get it to do it and to be there before God by myself. But I also want to pray during the day, as I'm going, as I'm living my life, and things come up, I want to be able to do that and, and, and talk to him briefly. Um, I, I would tell you that for me personally, that using the, God's names primarily for me, uh, I would say master, that word, that name has been most helpful to me because it means I'm his slave. And so that I, I keep that attitude when I, when I talk to him. Um, I would also help you to talk. This is Trinitarian-wise. I would encourage you to do that. Bible pattern is this. I don't think it's wrong or sin to not do it this way because the Bible isn't explicitly commanded. But it's prayers to God the Father by Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. That's prayer. is supposed to be that way. Um, you, almost every single prayer by Jesus always starts with Abba, almost every one of them. And so we pray to God by Jesus Christ, who's our high priest through the Holy Spirit who intercedes for us. And I I think that you ought to try to stick to that pattern as much as you possibly can. And I I begin my prayers, and I won't tell you the exact verbiage, but I have a prayer to God the Father for who he is and what he's doing. I, I do all three of them in a row to begin almost every serious long prayer I have. And I would encourage you to do it. For, not for fun. For me, it's more than that, but you might enjoy it. I also like to pray using just a little bit of another language. Um, so for me, Hebrew or Greek works because I know it. Um, but I use it not to show off or try to be eloquent. I try to do it because I want to remind myself all the time that English is a relatively new thing, and everybody other than me who did anything for God didn't speak it. And I want to know that my world is a small world and there's a lot more out there than just me speaking American or English, whatever you want to call it. So for me, I include a little bit of that as well from time to time. And then lastly, if I could say it to you, we're done, is extras. I call it prayer props. I didn't put it on there, Steve. Um, And I would encourage you, you say, well, how do you do all that? And how do you keep it mind, doing that in your mind? When your life gets busy, how do you keep those things going and keep them, that you're doing them all? I would say you need visuals. Read Deuteronomy 6 sometime about how the Israelites did it. And I would, I've said these before, but a mezuzah, I have one on my front door, my back door. Kathy Cray heard me say that a while. She's going to get some. But I, I do it 
And if you watch The Chosen on TV, you've been watching any of that, you know what, if you enjoy that or not. Um, but almost all the time when Jesus walks out a door or he goes like that, which they would have done, a mezuzah is a little um, scroll inside that has a, a Torah scripture in it. And they wanted to, and it's, it's out of Deuteronomy 6, when you enter in the house, when you leave the house, it helps me to remember God's presence. And so I do it front and back door. And, you know, I live right next to the church, so it happens quite a bit. So it's, you know, I would joke with my wife today. She was walking out. I go, no, 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 wait, wait, miss, do that. <laughs> you know, so we kind of encourage each other to do it. There are other ones, and I don't have time to go through them all. But if you want, I'll show you. I have prayer shawl that the Jewish people wear in it are tassels at the bottom. Remember when the lady reached out to grab Jesus in the issue of blood? Well, the Malachi prophecy is that there's healing in his wings. Wings was another way for the corners of the tassels on all four ends of your prayer tassel. And if she believed because it was the tradition of people thinking that verse meant that, that if you reached out and touched his tassel, that it would heal you. And for her, it did. And today, tassels are woven with blue and white threads, and they are a certain way with certain knots and things that have spaces in between them. And when you rub them in your fingers, it tells you about God and Scripture by putting them in your hands. They're very interesting to have. I've used, I've used it off and on for years. Um, but it's a visual. It's a prop. It's to something to remind you. Um, in the Bible, they had phylacteries on their, on their arms, straps of leather on their heads, some even think Jesus would have times worn them. Pharisees were notorious for them. Boxes on your arms, near your hands, on top of your hands, on your forehead, a box inside with scripture. And they took literally that you need to love God with your mind, with your soul, your hands, and keep scripture always before you, thinking about it, doing it. And so they wore these boxes. It was unfortunately used to show how pious you were. So it kind of ruined it a little bit in the effect. But I say all that to tell you this, that they're, they did not leave it to chance when their lives got difficult or busy that they would remember to pray and seek God and acknowledge his presence. So they devised visuals, props, things to do it wherever they were. And I encourage you, whether it's these ones or ones like I've mentioned or your own set that you come up with, uh, I know it's people who put three by five cards on the visors of their car. They put them on the mirrors in their bathroom. I've, I've had other people talk to me about things that they do. But, I, but let me tell you this. Prayer is intentional. It is a commitment. And it is a lifestyle. And if you're going to just be mildly interested in it, it's going to be a difficulty to see God do anything in your life through it. Um, but you have to be committed to it. All of us will be committed at different ways at different times, more than others. We all go through that. But I hope tonight that you'll take some of those ideas, maybe grab a book or two and look through it before you leave tonight and say, God, 2023, I'm going to get serious about my prayer life. And I'm going to learn this year by praying and actually seeking your face. And I want to make it a lifestyle. Let's pray. Father, help us. There aren't too many things in this life that we do that you've commanded us that are more important than prayer. Oh, Father, may it not be trivial. May it not be an add-on. May it not be something that is simply on the margins or the periphery of our spiritual life. But may it be right there at the center 
with you and your word. God, I pray that we at Faith Baptist Church would be a praying people. And that you might, Lord, in turn, pour out your blessings on us. And your kabod, your heavy hand, might be upon us. That this year, because your people pray, we would see not what we can do, but what you can do. And we'll thank you for that ahead of time and give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.